Enjoyed that very much. Thank you guys so much for that. So I, uh, as I was preparing this week, I was thinking, you know, maybe uh, someday I'd like to write a book entitled, uh, That's Not Supposed to Happen. And, 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 and I'm not talking about the, the kind of stuff that, you know, happens to like the, the cartoon character Dexter in his secret uh, underground laboratory, uh, you know, where you're mixing up a, a variety of chemicals and all of a sudden they start smoking and bubbling over and you go, uh-oh, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, not that type of thing. I mean, that, that goes on all the time with me whenever I'm trying to cook in the kitchen or something. But what I'm talking about are those things that we know deep down in our hearts shouldn't happen. But they do because we live in a cursed and broken world. I mean, accidents like, like what happened to the, the grandfather this uh, last week when he dropped his 18-month-old granddaughter out of the 11th story window of the cruise ship as they're preparing for a family vacation. Um, just absolutely horrifying, devastating thing to go through. Do you know that accidents are the third leading cause of death in America? A and, and we think, oh man, that's, that's not supposed to happen. Or, or we hear about, you know, children or teenagers uh, just getting ready to, to move into or enter into the prime of their life and, and then they're cut down by cancer or some other dreaded disease. And we shake our heads and say, man, it's, it's, it's not supposed to be that way. It's, that's not supposed to happen. And I, I think, though, that that's maybe where a little bit of uh, faulty thinking in uh, to our minds because uh, we think that it is different when an older person gets that same cancer or dreaded disease. I mean, we, we don't like it, right? We're sad but maybe we justify it a little bit by saying, well, you know, they've lived a, a long and full life. You know, we're so used to the fact that people grow old, get weak, that their bodies deteriorate and, and diminish, and, and we forget. It's not supposed to be that way. But perhaps where that really hits home to us the most as w when we see it in our parents. You know, parents are the people who uh, are, uh, we go to for wisdom and advice. Parents have always been there as a pillar of strength for us. They, they care for us. They, they met our needs. Uh, when we have a crisis, uh, it's often our parents that we'll go to for insight and for guidance, for advice, uh, for help. But then something happens. And they may no longer have that strength to share. Their mind might not be as sharp as it once was. A and suddenly, because even though, uh, you know, it it's a long, slow process, it always seems to happen suddenly, right? Suddenly, they need us. And that's when we realize it's not really supposed to be this way. The, the sermon by... Uh, request uh, this morning uh, asked this where do followers of Christ who are children of professed Christian parents go in scripture to, for answers to our questions about caring for our parents in the end of their lives 
It's an important question, isn't it? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is relevant and up-to-date and that you have help for us in the issues that we face in life. And God, when we, when we look around, when we see ourselves, when we see others, when we see our parents aging and um, growing weaker, God, we are reminded again that this is not what you had planned for this world. And so we are thankful, Father, for your grace, for your mercy, for your salvation, and for the promise of a new world that is coming. We look forward to, to those days. But in the meantime, God, we want to live by your word. We want to live by the power and strength of your spirit to do what is right and what is good. So help us in that, in these practical areas of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we, as we get uh, started this morning, I, I expect, first of all, that uh, there may be some in here who might be thinking, well, I don't think I'm really going to get anything out of the sermon to, today because this doesn't really apply to me. And, uh, and uh, some of you might be thinking that because this message uh, comes too late for you. Maybe your parents have already passed into eternity, maybe even quite a while ago. But I, I think there's at least two reasons why uh, it, it would still be appropriate to hear. One, chances are you have friends who may be facing this issue or going through these things, and you would be able to then help them, give them some um, uh, encouragement and advice and help. Or number two, if you're in that position and, and your parents have already uh, passed on, Maybe, maybe you yourself are getting closer to that age when your children might be asking some of these questions about you. So, you know, how great would it be if parents and children, uh, adult children, could sit down and, and talk about these things prior to having to make those kind of important decisions? And so maybe you could be the one to initiate that kind of conversation with your kids because I guarantee it, really hard for the kids to be the one to initiate uh, that kind of conversation. There might be uh, some others here who uh, think that this doesn't really apply to them because uh, their parents are still young and healthy and, and strong. I mean, you know, you might make fun of them for being old, you know. I won't say anything that Maggie shared or anything like that with, with me. Uh, but you know they're not really old and decrepit at, at this point. I, I remember uh, one time, uh, one of the years uh, coming home uh, for summer uh, from college and playing on a um, recreational volleyball, uh, YMCA recreational volleyball league uh, team with my dad. And, uh, and my dad, you know, was, was quite the athlete uh, when he was young, you know, football and track star and all this kind of stuff in, in uh, high school. I remember once seeing a box of, of his medals and trophies and stuff that was down in the shop and being amazed at all of his athletic accomplishments. But anyways, we were, we were playing on this uh, league together, and my dad and I enjoyed and shared some good-natured uh, banter and teasing back and forth, you know, depending on who made a good play and who didn't. And, and I remember more than once 
when my dad uh, would mess up uh, saying something uh, about uh, you know the YMCA allowing geriatrics to play on the on the on the volleyball league and that kind of stuff, um, and uh, you, you know what the bad thing about that is? The bad thing is at the time I made that statement, my dad was a decade younger than I am now. But, you know, even though I, I would tease him like that, the reality, I, I, you know, I still saw him as a, as a strong and healthy young man. And, and at that point in my life, I really couldn't even imagine what it would be like years down the road when he really was getting older. And maybe, maybe that's where some of you are this morning. Your parents are still young and healthy and, and uh, uh, old age seems so far away. You know, it's kind of a funny thing with parents. They never seem to change. They, they look the same to you when you're 10 years old as they do when you're 40 or you're 50. But you know, in that, in that blink of an eye that it took you to go from 10 to 40 or 50, they're hitting... 70 or beyond and then in just a moment it it seems like these important questions are right there on the horizon so hopefully all of us will be able to to take something from this today uh, uh, that we'd be able to use in life and the the person making this request they actually sent me an email giving me uh, some more details about what was happening in their life and and, uh, setting up a context for me uh, to be able to do this question and and specifically they had asked you know about biblical guidance for uh, an elderly parent who professed to be Christian so we're we're really going to look at it from that uh, uh, perspective although I'll have a few things to say in just a moment to those who might not be in that situation. But, but as we get started, uh, the very first point that I want to make that I, I'm, I'm sure everybody in here already knows because it seems like a pretty obvious point to me anyways, but I'm going to make it, is that the Bible doesn't give us any specific instructions on exactly what to do. When this happens to your parent, you should do X, Y, and Z. That doesn't show up in Scripture. We, we don't get that, but, but we do have some guiding principles that can help us then as we have to answer some of those questions. And, and so I, I want to look first at those principles, and then once we've articulated them, we'll, we'll go back and just maybe see a little bit of how they might help us uh, as we answer uh, questions. Um, so the first, the first overarching, and I got three principles, and, and there may be more, but this is what I uh, looked at this week. Three principles, and the first one, which I think is the overarching one, this is, this is primary uh, for everything, uh, comes from the Ten Commandments. And, and it, it's uh, commandment number five, which says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And, and many of you may recognize that... that um, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul took this commandment and, and then combined it with uh, some instructions for children when he says, children, obey your parents uh, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. 
Now, the unfortunate thing, uh, because he combined it like that, is that some people then have mistakenly assumed that the fifth commandment is primarily for children and was given to the parents there as a means for helping them in their child rearing. Uh, but that actually could not be further from the truth. All, all ten of the Ten Commandments were given to adults. Uh, the adults were supposed to follow and live by uh, the Ten Commandments in such a way that then their children would see them doing so and, and would therefore follow them as well. So it was, it was grown men and women who were told to honor your father and your mother. So if you as a parent do not honor your parents, then don't hold out real high expectations that your children will honor you, even if you force them to memorize this verse. Right? Now, I know that that can bring about then some very difficult situations because of the sin and brokenness in this world. How does one honor an absent parent, or worse, a hurtful or abusive parent? What of the father who sexually molests his daughter? What of the parents who neglect their kids because they're too busy getting drunk or high at the next party with their friends? I mean, some kids grow up in, in horrible circumstances. And there are many that I know who, who just cringe when, when, when they just hear the word father or mother, let alone the idea of honoring them. So what does a person do in a situation like that? Well, first, remember, this request specifically mentioned Christian parents. So uh, while we do know that abuse can and, and does happen even in, in some Christian homes, it's, it's not the norm. So I'm just going to briefly mention some thoughts for those who might be in adverse situations and then we'll return to our main focus here but four thoughts real quick number one the command to honor our parents does not come with any caveats or loopholes god did not write in the stone tablets as they came down from the mountain honor your father and mother as long as they're, you know, good ones. It was a blanket statement. Honoring is something that every Christian is called to do no matter what kind of home you grew up in. Number two, honoring parents, especially sinful parents, does not mean you have to say yes to their every request. You do not need to put yourself or your children in dangerous, hurtful, or abusive situations. Boundaries are okay and, and in some situations absolutely essential for, for health and we welfare. And I believe you can honor and still maintain healthy boundaries at the same time. So then number three, you may have to work pretty hard to figure out what it does look like to honor a parent whose words and whose actions are not deserving of honor. And it may take the help of uh, some godly friends, a small group uh, talking about it, a biblical counselor or, or a pastor, but there are ways to show honor even 
in those hurtful situations. And then number four, if you've come out of that kind of hurtful situation and you're following Christ, then praise God for His grace and His mercy to bring you where you are. And then pray. Pray for wisdom and strength to be the kind of parent or grandparent that you always wish you had. The kind of parent and grandparent that God designed uh, for us to be. So with those four thoughts in mind, let's, let's return to our focus in, in taking care uh, of elderly parents as, as they uh, pr- um, profess to be Christians, right? That, that the, the main overarching principle is to show honor. Now, what does it mean to honor? Well, at its, at its most basic level, it means to show and to give and to treat with respect. And so in situations like this, that would mean, of course, then meeting their immediate and their daily but, and also their, their long-term needs. Uh, meeting those needs is a way to show respect. But it also takes into account their wishes, their desires, their preferences, rather than my own or my own conveniences. It means thinking about their dignity rather than my ease or respect means highly valuing them rather than thinking about them as a burden. Respect is the foundation, the main principle for all we do. That, that's number one. Any, any decision we have to make has to be one that shows honor, respect to them. Second principle, I believe, uh, comes from 1 Timothy chapter 5. It says this, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in sight of God. So this principle is based on the fact of this is, this is what pleases God, this is what would be acceptable to Him, and the practical implication of, hey, you're making a return. Uh, the parents took care of you. Uh, you. You're simply making return from that. And then in some cases where the parents didn't, again, adverse situation, you get to show the grace and mercy of God by showing that return even where they didn't deserve it. But, but that second principle is simply this, that biblically it is the family's responsibility to meet the needs uh, of aging parents once they can no longer do so themselves. And, and, and notice it's not just the first generation that's listed there. It doesn't just say the kids should do this, right? He specifically mentions the grandchildren. And I think that's really important for us because I, I think that's a neglected aspect in, in, in our culture today. And, and so we need to teach that in our churches and, and in our families, uh, especially now uh, since people are living a lot longer today than they used to. The, you know, the, the uh, lifespan keeps going up, well, ex- except for this last year. I didn't know if you knew this or not. Last year was the first time in decades, many decades, that life expectancy actually dropped just a little bit in the United States this last year. And, and uh, the researchers say that the main reason for that uh, drop uh, is because of a huge increase in deaths among young people, specifically teenagers and 20-something. And the two main factors 
driving deaths in that age group. Drug overdoses and suicide. That's pretty sad, isn't it? That, by the way, is one of the reasons why we invest so heavily in in Camp Halawasa or or making uh, expanded use for for youth and, and children ministry areas in our churches because reaching the next generation for for Jesus Christ is a matter of life and death. It's essential. Anyway, because of the of the long life expectancy, uh, now children uh, of aged parents may already be retired themselves and, and living on a fixed income and, and not have uh, as much strength or energy. And so it may be the grandchildren who have the financial means or the health or the strength uh, to be able to be the most help. But if they haven't been taught this biblical principle that this is our responsibility generationally as we go along, they may not even be open to it or may not even think about it because it's definitely not something that's being taught in our culture, is it? Um, and so we need to teach that. Um, the Apostle Paul uses some pretty strong language to, to reinforce uh, this concept because a little later in, in this very same paragraph in, in Timothy, uh, so it's this context of caring for elderly parents. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And I've heard that verse many times, and, and most time when I hear it being preached on and talked about, it, it's about, you know, uh, a young man providing for his family. He's supposed to go out and work and provide for his family. But the context there is, is not so much that as it is taking care of uh, the older parents in the home. And, and so, um, obviously, uh, this is important to God. That's one of those verses when you read it and you look at what it says. I mean, he says, if you don't do this, you're worse than an unbeliever. That's, that's a kind of grab you by the shoulders and shake you up verse, isn't it? Uh, we need to do that. And the third principle is this. Your church, the, the local congregation that, that you are a part of is supposed to be your extended family and help you meet the needs for elderly uh, parents when, um, the, when you as immediate family members uh, cannot. Again, in this same passage in Timothy, a little earlier on, Timothy, uh, Paul wrote this. Honor widows who are widows indeed. And, and, and this instruction was uh, given specifically to the church as a whole. This is what we as a church family are supposed to do. And, and he goes on to give a lot of uh, details and instructions about who qualifies as a widow indeed and this type of thing. But, but the main point that we need to get out of there is that this is uh, an obligation that, that the church has. Uh, we, we are there to be able to help when the family members need that help. So, so those are the three basic principles that I believe Scripture gives us when we're thinking about and trying to answer those questions uh, about caring for aging parents. Respect has to govern all of our choices. Honoring them ha has to fit in their family, primarily meaning children and grandchildren, 
bear the responsibility of that care. And then three, the church should be supporting and helping in all this. So now let's, let's take a quick look at maybe how we can apply some of that practically. You know, in, in, in Bible times, it was rare when, when families did not live together generation after generation in, in the same home. And thus, you know, caring for the elderly in your, in your family and in your home was, was natural and, and normal type of family affair. It just, it just took place within the home. And that may be true in, in some cultures around the world, but in America, it's actually incredibly rare to see generations living together. In, in our mobile society like this, family members, they, they live all over, the, all over the place. I was just talking to, to Pastor Matt Lim earlier this week, and we were talking about what we had done this summer, and he has two grown adult married children, and one of them lives in Virginia, Virginia, all, all the way over there, and the other lives by Seattle, Washington, clear across the continent. That is actually more of the norm in our society than not. And, and so it's often true that no child lives nearby when mom or dad gets to that point of needing some extra care. But biblically, the command is still there for us to follow. So how do we show honor and respect when we feel like we have to start making some decisions for them? Well, part of that means making sure that the parents, as much as possible, are part of the decision-making process. I mean, taking into account their wishes and their desires and, and, and rather than looking out merely for what is easiest or most convenient or even what we deem to be best is a way to honor them because what we deem to be best and what they really want may be two different things. And you know what? That's okay. Now, certainly there are some factors that can limit their ability uh, for input, especially if you're dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's and, and things like that. Or maybe there are some physical problems that severely limit what your options are. But I think sometimes we, we worry about doing everything just right. We have to do it just right, just the best. And we forget that life in general is not just right, you know? Uh, we don't do that. Is it okay if they don't eat the healthiest of diets? My, my grandfather uh, was, was in his mid-90s, and he was living with, with one of our relatives who had him on a strict diet, and he wanted a bowl of ice cream. No, you can't have ice cream. That's not good for you. He's 95 years old. If the guy wants a bowl of ice cream, let him have a bowl of ice cream. You know, um, uh, this type of thing. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, really, it's okay to encourage, to talk about these things, but we also have to respect their wishes. Secondly, uh, you know, displaying heap loads of grace 
is another practical way to give honor. Let me, let me just ask you a question here. Has anybody in here ever been frustrated because you're trying to accomplish something that you think you should be able to do, but it's just not working? Anybody ever been frustrated like that? I think a few of us. What happens to your demeanor, to your attitude, that long, the longer that frustration goes on? So can you imagine how frustrating life, those little normal things in life, would be when your body no longer functions the way it used to. When your coordination, your strength, your nimbleness, your dexterity, all those things start deteriorating. A and things you used to do simply now take a great deal of time and effort or maybe y you can't even do them at all. I mean, the, the other day, I was trying to thread a needle to sew up a rip in, in my sweatpants and the stupid thread wouldn't go in the dumb needle, okay? And I kept trying. I even held my tongue just right. And it wasn't working. I got these, these nifty pair of reading glasses, and even they weren't helping. I had to go get a more powerful pair. I mean, you know, how frustrating is that? So imagine if that was your everyday, all-day-long experience. It might tend to make you a bit crotchety. You might get a little bit bitter or sarcastic. Or maybe you could go the opposite way and you just withdraw. Kind of close down. Stop interacting altogether. See, we might need to shower an aged person with an abundance, an overflowing amount of grace. See, we can honor what they are experiencing and what they're going through by treating them with that grace, even if what comes out of them is a fair amount of negativity or harshness because we can think about where they are. Then I think practically we need to understand that in terms of taking care of and meeting the needs uh, uh, of our parents, it's, it's our responsibility. We need to ensure that it does happen, but that doesn't mean we have to do it all. A and it is great, you know, in situations where, where you could bring a family member in, into the home. My, my parents are just now getting at this age where we're starting to think about these types of things. And my dad's been having some issues this, this last year. And, and we've already uh, talked to my mom about, you know, if he passes on, my brother and sister have uh, a place in their home where she can move and be, you know, we're having those types of discussions. It's hard to have those kinds of discussions, but, it, but it, it, it's important. And, and uh, we need to, to, to plan for those types of things. And it's great if, if you could do that, but, but that's not always what works. And that's not always practical or, or the way things can be. I, I read a, a, a blog by John Piper. Many of you have heard of him, a famous famous preacher John Piper and he tells uh, of a time here recently when when he and his wife had planned and prepared because his dad was having some issues and trouble and they said well you know what they talked about it prayed about it fixed up their home said we can have a spot where he can move into the house here with us well John Piper uh, ministers in a church in in Minneapolis his dad spent his entire life 
in the south. And so when John says, hey, Dad, you can move up here with us, his response was, are you nuts? You, no way do I want to live up where it snows 90% of the year. Exaggerating, you know, uh, uh, this type of thing. He, he didn't want that. And, and so a way to honor his father's wishes was to say, oh, okay, th this is not going to work. We, we need to, to look for something different. But his dad did need help. And so after many talks and discussions and lots of investigations, they found a, a, an assisted living facility in an area that was near where he was at, where all of his dad's longtime friends and associates and his church and all that stuff was still there. And it's what worked for him. And that, and that type of thing may be what's best in your situation. And John's dad at first was somewhat reluctant about this, but after those conversations and, and, a, and say, well, look, just give it a try. Yeah, we'll do this. He found out that he really enjoyed uh, uh, that facility, and so it worked out. Um, those are the things we can do to help show honor you, when you, and to take care of the needs. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the one doing every aspect of it. And because now uh, his dad's not near him, John makes sure to call him frequently and to visit as often as he can and, and maintain those um, relationships. That's also a way of honoring and, and meeting needs. And then finally, since church is family, I, I really think we need to, to do a better job of helping one another in this area. If, for instance, uh, a child is caring for an aged parent in their own home, right? how beneficial would it be to have someone who would come in for an evening or a day or, or even a weekend to be able to give them a break to, to get away? I mean, perhaps there are some here in our own church who would enjoy being involved in that kind of ministry where you support and you help uh, children who are in that position caring for their parents. You know, God has given us as a, as a church a body many gifts and many abilities, and I'm certain that there would be some here who would thrive in, in a ministry like that. And, and how, how beneficial would that be for, for us as a church body to, to have that kind of uh, support and help and care for one another in this? I think it would make all of us healthier and stronger. You're not supposed to have to be doing it alone. That's why we're a church family. That, that's why God says we are brothers and sisters. So that we can be there. But I, I just think in our American culture, we way too often think individually. It's, it's me. It's on my shoulders. I can't ask anybody for help. You know, I, we, I can't. You know, I, here we make it sound good. Well, I don't want to burden anybody else. Um, I, I want to say this gently, but that's dumb. Um, we are here to carry one another's burdens and to help. That's why God designed the body. So let's do a better job of being there for one another. And so maybe if there's some of you in here who think that yeah, that would be neat, God's putting it on your heart to be a, a part of a ministry that would help do that? Write down some ideas. Bring it up. Talk about how we could do that as a church. So let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that 
um, that there is practical guidance in, in these difficult situations and, and questions that we are faced with. Lord, I know there's many here who are thankful for good parents that they've had, godly parents. And I know there's many who did not have that um, benefit and that joy. And yet, God, all of us want to follow you faithfully and, and do what is right and good. And so help us, Lord, as we, as we look to apply practically your word in this situation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.